one parent, two kids, 423 national park sites. This is Expedition National Parks. Dispatches and stories from one family's journey to discover the natural, historical, and cultural treasures of the United States. What's so special about New Orleans is this, is this great blend of culture. And there's, you know, all of this history with settlement of French and settlement of Spanish and slavery and Haitian and Cuban. So there's all of these different influences here and all of these people essentially uh, mix it all together and it, it became jazz. April is Jazz Appreciation Month. Jazz is an art form that comes from the United States, or more specifically New Orleans, the Crescent City. In recognition of the important history of this uniquely American musical art form, both nationally and internationally, Congress authorized the New Orleans and Jazz National Historical Park in 1994. Congress created the park to protect a significant American cultural treasure, jazz. But jazz was embraced by the world and is now an international treasure. During the Cold War, many of the nation's finest musicians were musician diplomats. Some of the most talented and famous jazz musicians traveled all around the world, starting with the 1956 Dizzy Gillespie tour to the Middle East. Over the next 20 years, other greats, including Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, David Brubeck, and Stan Getz, served as jazz ambassadors. Congress Adam Clayton Powell Jr. first proposed the idea in the U.S. Information Agency, which was started by President Eisenhower in 1953, executed the programs. While the Jazz Ambassador program lasted 20 years, the U.S. Department of State continues to do music diplomacy today featuring a wide range of genres from hip-hop to zydeco. Check out the PBS program, The Jazz Ambassadors, which we have linked to in our episode notes, to learn more about jazz diplomacy and its impacts, including the context in relation to the Cold War and Civil Rights Movement. In this clip from an interview with the Czech journalist played on the Radio Free Europe, Louis Armstrong speaks about his experience as a jazz ambassador. I see. Well, uh, my name is Louis Sachmo Armstrong. Played in Prague, and I had big success there. And uh, all over Czechoslovakia, I have many fans, and I'm very happy to say hello to them at this moment. And I'm looking forward to come back someday that uh, we play some more concerts. From a newsboy to the orphanage in New Orleans, where I was born, I started uh, as the little bugler of the institution for the boys to drill and have their meals. And then finally they put me in the little brass band and taught me how to play the cornet. And before that I used to sing in a little quartet. So I was around music all my life. I went to church with my mother when I was 10 years old. So I always had music in my soul. From this till this day, I live music, and that's the way I'll die. Right along with it. I mean, uh, all I have to say, if the youngsters love music, uh, there's nothing gonna change them. But if it's not in the, the soul, uh, or they don't play from the heart, they probably didn't want to play it in the first place. But if they love the instrument, they'll stay right along. Tell them such more love them very much. They were so kind to me when I was in their country. And I always remember them. If I ever write a book, they'll see it in my life story that I love them very much. Yeah, well, they all know that I, play, I sing, pale moon shining on the fields below. The folks are crooning songs, I've been low. 
You need tell me why, because I know when it's sleepy time down south. That's my theme song. They know me by that. Now the moon shining on the field below. The folks are crooning down below. You didn't tell me, boy, because I know, yeah, when it's sleepy time down south, yes, the south wind blowing the pine wood trees, now folks down there live a life when old mammy falls on her knees, yeah. When it's sleepy time does yes. Steamboats up the river coming or going. Yeah, that does this. Splash in the night away. Papa, you hear those banjos ringing, and the folks are singing, and they dance till the break of day. Yes, dear old Southland, with this dreamy song, you take me back where I belong. Right in my mammy's arms. Bantis, bantis, bantos, bantos, bantis, bantos, 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 Good evening, everybody. <laughs> And now it is time for our outdoor organization feature. This month we are sharing the work of At Count Founder Girls and our community effort to showcase organizations who are working towards social justice and more inclusive public lands. Established by Maddie Landry in 1924 in San Antonio, Texas, Camp Founder Girls is America's first historically back summer camp for girls. In the summer of 2019, Black Outside Inc. proudly resurrected America's first summer overnight camp for black girls. Today, Camp Founder Girls carries on the proud legacy of Founder Girls Past by providing an immersive, week-long overnight camp centered on bravery, confidence, creativity, and strength. Follow at Camp Founder Girls for the latest info on this year's summer camp scheduled from June 19th to June 24th, 2021. Check out their website, campfoundergirls.org, for more info and to donate. Louis Armstrong is, of course, one of New Orleans' most famous citizens. He was born in New Orleans in 1901 and was a multi-talented trumpeter, singer, and composer who was one of the most influential figures in jazz. The first activity in the park's Junior Ranger program is about Louis Satchmo Armstrong. Education is a key component of the work of the National Park. While it's currently close to visitors, virtual programming continues. We were able to visit before the pandemic and appreciated the Rangers' hands-on demonstration lecture from the piano on stage. 
let's talk about, I always like to start with the music that was here in the French Quarter from the early 1700s all the way to about the 1850s, what was popular in the French Quarter. It kind of lays the groundwork for the development of jazz. Any ideas of what the popular music would have been in that time frame? No guesses? <laughs> you were thinking chamber music. Well, you're on the right track. Okay. So it was a form of classical music. Uh, it was opera, actually, was the most popular music in the French Quarter. So they had a full symphony, they had real operas. Uh, the very first classical opera in the whole United States was performed in New Orleans. You guys want to know the opera? Sure. It was the Sylvain Opera, and the composer was named Gretry, who was French. Um, they actually named the very first opera house after that, it was the Sylvain Opera House. Um, opera was so popular that in the small French Quarter that you can walk across in about 10, 15 minutes, there were 15 opera houses in the French Quarter. That's how popular opera was wow. at this point in time. What happened to all the opera houses? Because none of them exist now. Burnt down. They did burn down. Not all at once. I mean, the city burned down twice under Spanish rule, but the most opulent and largest opera house actually survived all the way until 1931, and then it burned down. <laughs> okay. So yes, opera and fire goes hand in hand in the city. So what does that do for music? What does opera and having a symphony within the city do for the musical scene? Or what kind of musicians are gonna make up this? Skilled in what way? Um, they have to be able to read music. They... Yes, that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> Reading music in New Orleans is, um, traditionally, you, you can learn music two ways, right? reading music, that's how I learned to do it, playing classical music on piano and such, or learning by ear, which in New Orleans is actually the favorite way of learning music, especially in the jazz scene. Um, trombone Shorty, he's a very famous musician in this day. He started playing trombone at the age of five. How old are you guys? Twelve and eight? Eleven. Eleven? Sorry, my bad. It's the phone. It made me subtract three years off of your life. <laughs> So he was a little bit younger than they were when he started playing, and he learned completely by ear. Now musicians, when they become professional and uh, really become world-renowned, if they learn by ear, then they also learn how to read music and write music as well, so that way you can write your own and copyright and all those good things. But traditionally, in New Orleans and jazz, they're gonna learn by ear, which uh, goes against that whole classical start that's gonna happen. It goes more with what's happening on the outside, around the city, on the plantations. What kind of music is developing out there, do you think? Spirituals. You're on the right track. Just before spirituals happens, there's something else. So you... Call that? What's like that? The, the working songs, like in the Yes, fields. before that, too. You're on the right track, too. So it's the enslaved on the plantations. They're going to develop the, what's going to become work songs, what's going to become spirituals, what's going to become the blues, what's going to become gospel. It's going to start with what we call field hollers. So that's just like you're singing a cappella out into the, uh, just letting your emotions flow. It um, doesn't have to be words, it can be, but it's just letting that, that kind of, that blues timbre escape yourself. So your emotions are coming out. Because you have a lot of, uh, 
life isn't going well for you if you're enslaved. So you have a lot of emotion and you need some kind of release. The feel holler it then is gonna progress into what we call call and response. And you can find this in all sorts of walks in life. You find it at church, you find it if you're in a prison chain gang. Just kidding. Um, you find it if you're in the military. Um, on the plantation field, the call and response is actually used for the musical purpose of getting into rhythm, uh, doing the kind of mindless tasks, but it was also used to pass messages from one end of the plantation field to the other. They couldn't talk. Talking was completely forbidden while they were working, but they could sing. If they were singing, then the plantation master knew that they were working, so this way they could sing and pass messages uh, as well. So, you know, serve double purpose. And then you get to the work songs, and work songs are Call it kind of, kind of call and response, like they talk back and forth. Well, it's call and response. Work songs are specific to whatever job you're doing. Oh. So they have work songs specific to if you were a lumberjack. They had a lot of lumberjacks in Louisiana cutting on the cypress trees. That's <coughs> specific to that. That's not specific to if you're picking cotton, um, if you're any kind of work you're doing, songs specific to those things. They also had work songs that were about eating breakfast, um, just little things you would do within life. The interesting thing about a work song is there's no uh, third in the chord of it. So you're gonna have a musical riff behind it if they're not working. Um, but when I say, you guys understand when I'm saying a third in the chord? No. All right, no worries. Music, you have scales. Major scale. There's major scales, minor scales, all sorts of scales. For this thing, you're gonna have the first note, the third note, and the fifth note of the scale. That's a major triad right there. If you lower that third, you have a minor triad. So in a work song, you don't have that third. Let's have the one, five, one. So you're going to have some kind of riff like that. In um, rock music, they use bar chords a lot. It's just one, five, one. You hear it a lot in rock. It's taken from that whole kind of an idea. Um, so you get this musical riff, doesn't delineate the third, designate the third, you know what I mean. And um, so you can sing, it gives you a lot of options of where your vocalizing can go, because now you can sing this note, this recording, you can sing this note, or that note, the third, or the minor third, and it doesn't matter because it, it, the chord isn't telling you what to do. So this is very important because it's going to lead to the blues. And the blues is where you're singing uh, a melody. It's gonna have this minor third in it, but it's gonna be over a major chord. So you have this chord, and then you can sing this note over This is the first time in the history of music that this has been done, where you're singing a minor third over a major chord. It didn't happen with Chopin, Bach, Tchaikovsky, any classical music. In the blues, this is where the first time this has happened. So it's very revolutionary with music. The way that they did it, vocalizing, they would bend down into it. So they would be singing whatever song, and then they might sing that third, but they're gonna bend the notes. And there's actually a blues scale too. So remember that scale I played with the major scale? So blues scale sounds like this. So you got all these cool riffs and stuff from these other notes that aren't in the major scale. So if we take a, a bluesy song, 
uh, I'll try to demonstrate a little vocalizing here for you. I'll take one that's going to um, be made famous by a man named Buddy Bolden, and we'll get to his story in a little bit. But so. later in the day to hear a concert by Kyle A. Russell. Here is a selection of his music. But essentially, you know, what's so special about New Orleans is this, is this great blend of culture. And there's, you know, all of this history with settlement of French and settlement of Spanish and slavery and Haitian and Cuban. So there's all of these different influences here and all of these people essentially uh, mix it all together. And it, it became jazz. Um, I would say it, it, it was definitely started. Um, influences from African roots and, and African-American people, kind of just like their new expression of, of their new music. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a a large, I would say, area of music that was removed from black people when they came to this country. So kind of like their new expression of music, blending with all of these cultures, later became what was known as jazz. Not necessarily the word that they gave it being jazz, but that, that became what it was called. So I would say the easy answer to your question is just a blend of all of these cultures is constantly taking place in this city is, is how jazz was essentially created. Usually in, in, in jazz, there's, there's a melody, and usually you play the melody at the beginning, or you state the melody at the beginning, and then you usually play solos around the chord changes of the song. So that's pretty much what I, what I try to do, uh, is, is kind of play the regular melody of the song, you know, not the way they played it, but then go off on the chord changes and just kind of solo and improvise over the chord changes and then come back again to the, the melody. Yes. So if you were to practice this, and when you're practicing this, like mm -hmm. is every version different or? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, the, the only thing that would probably be the same is, is the melody. So every time, that's what you memorize, the me melody and everything else is improvisation. Yeah, usually, usually when you, when you 
you you see a jazz band, that's that's essentially what is is, is happening. You know, there's they might whatever the configuration may be. If there's a four piece, there's a horn player, piano, bass, and drums. The drums are providing the rhythm. The bass is walking the bass line, and the piano is playing the chord changes, and the horn is playing the melody. So they state the melody of the song at the beginning of the song, or if there's an intro, just play the melody. And then usually people just take solos over the chord changes, the same form of the song without the melody. So, any other questions? All right, well, I'll continue. This is, uh, I'll do some Dr. John. This is uh, a solo piece entitled Dorothy by Dr. John.
Thank you for listening. Again, please remember to check out and support Camp Founder Girls. You can find more info on our episode page. We would love your feedback. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or message us on our social media accounts. We are Expedition National Parks on Facebook and Instagram and Expedition NPS on Twitter. And as always, follow the inspiration of the Junior Rangio motto, keep exploring, learning, and protecting. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.